What a beautiful gospel for us to be able to be sent out on. The idea that all of us have to make a journey home today, some further than others, and that in this journey, there's a time, an opportunity to reflect on what has happened here. When you get home and you start telling your friends, your family, what's happened, they're going to ask questions. They're going to say, who are you and what have you done with my husband? (laughs) At least we hope. And you're going to say, are you the only person that doesn't know what happened at Damascus? (laughs) And there will become this opportunity where you'll be able to break open the weekend and to share with them all that you've seen and heard and learned about yourself and this relationship with God. And maybe, in the midst of that, their hearts will begin to be enkindled. I don't recommend you vanish at dinner. (laughs) That would be awkward. (laughs) And so, in one sense, gentlemen, you have a great responsibility when you walk out these doors today, which is to go and be Jesus to your families. At the same time, you have a great opportunity where you get to unpack what Jesus is doing with you and for you. This trip to Emmaus, it's it's interesting to think about how they acknowledge the fact that people, the other disciples, went to the tomb, said it was open, said he wasn't there, and yet they are still downcast. How often... Have we heard the phrase or even spoken the phrase, oh, there's so much evil in the world? Whatever happened to saying, there's so much good in the world? It's about what we choose to put our attention towards, what we choose to put our focus on. And sometimes it can be easy to choose the evil things. Oh, there's death and destruction and evil and da-da-da. But my brothers... There is infinitely more good because God, who is infinitely good, is infinitely greater than evil. It's a math thing. Ask Aaron about it. (laughs) The challenge, one of many challenges posed to us, is what will I invest my time in looking at? I'm really blessed as a, as a priest, to be in a small town and, and to be able to help coach a high school baseball team. Uh, and I'm a Catholic priest at a public high school coaching a baseball team. So, victory. What was that? Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know what you mean, but sure. Um, so, I often help with the JV players, and, and those guys, they're, they're so great and so bad <laughs> at the same time. There's some kids that have never played baseball in their life, and now they're starting for the first time in high school. And it's like, how great is that? And yet, they'll be so downcast on themselves. They'll be so, oh, I, I didn't, I, I hit so poorly. Oh, I didn't feel that ball cleanly. Oh, I, I made this mistake. 
And I want to look at them, and I do. I look at them, and I tell them, but look at all the good that you've done so far. Look at all that you've accomplished so far. We had a game a couple weeks ago, and one of our players, this is his first year playing, we put him in as a pinch runner. It was the, the fifth inning. We only played five for JVs. The fifth inning, we were down by two runs. We put him in for a pinch runner at first base. He ended up scoring. Uh, so it got our points up more. And then we had another player uh, had just an awful hit down the first base side, got himself out. But someone else was ahead of him who also scored, so that tied. And we had a third guy, also terrible hit, out into the outfield. And yet another guy was able to score off of that. All three of them, so upset, so frustrated. I failed so miserably. Okay, you scored a run, you advanced a runner and scored a run, and you advanced another runner and scored a run. We won the game. Yeah, you are awful. (laughs) For them, it was so easy to focus on their failure and reject the glory. And the world, again, likes to emphasize, for whatever reason, Failure, evil, all the negative stuff, which causes us to fail to see the glory, the goodness, the victory. Guys, if you didn't know this, we're in the Easter season, uh, which means we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means we should be really happy. Yeah. Uh, If you didn't know this, there's a retreat this weekend you attended called Unleashed, which means you're supposed to be unleashed from evil and demons and all the, the junk of the world, and you should be free and happy. Right, But I guarantee someone out there is thinking, no, I'm just a sinner, I'm just an awful person. Like, stop it! I'm going to come shake you. And maybe, maybe you need to be shook, shooken. And maybe you need to continue to be shooken, shaked, shooked. I don't care. You need to get raggled up, right? Something has to happen. But ultimately, what we can take from this gospel is Let's not look down. Let's look up. And let's look forward. Let's not look in the past. The past we can learn from. The past is important. It it gives us guidance and clarity. But ultimately, you can't redo yesterday. Just like my players can't redo that hit or redo that feeling. They can't. So instead of being so aggravated and frustrated, oh, I failed this. Okay, what do you need to do to be a better hitter tomorrow? What do you need to do to be a better fielder tomorrow? How do you need to learn to base run better? Guys, how do you need to pray better? How do you need to learn to enter into the mass differently? Instead of being aggravated and frustrated by, this is all the stuff that I'm not good at, then let's look at how can I grow? What is still necessary to be unleashed, giving me this freedom, this opportunity to go and be the saint I've been called to be, the the man of God I've been called to be. I shared a little bit in the breakout yesterday on the worship of the Mass and how we should how we can enter deeper into the worship of the Mass. And my one of my first points was we actually already possess all that's necessary to enter deeply into the worship of Mass. There's not some magic pill or formula I can provide that's so like, all right, if you understand this more clearly, you will enter deeper into the formation of the Mass. It's helpful to know the Mass. It's helpful to know like, what to look for in the Mass. It's, but ultimately, worship, properly defined, is adoration to God. Am I disposing myself when I go to church to say, Jesus, 
you get everything for the next X number of minutes. And actually, let's go one step further. Jesus, you get everything, and I don't even want to keep track of time. That's a bold move. Because I know some of you are already looking at your watches. I saw that. There are three things I want to highlight that you can look at in every church and you'll find, and it actually has to do with identities or characteristics of our baptism. So in our baptism, we are baptized into priest, prophet, king. Yes or yes? yes. Excellent. So now you know that. Where, you can point or you can shout, I don't care. Where would you say we see the, the symbol of priest in the Mass? And Don't point at me. Cross? Cool, cool, all right. Altar, cool, cool. Where do you think you see prophets in the Mass? Okay. And where do you think you see king in the Mass? All right, so the king, the throne, the presider's chair. Prophet, the ambo, proclaiming of the scriptures. And then priest would ultimately would align to the altar. It's the place of sacrifice. So all of us, by baptism, priest, prophet, king, we all possess this, can look at every Mass and say, there's my kingship, there's my prophetic, uh, my prophetic hoodness, whatever word you want to say, uh, and there's my, priest, like my priestliness, the sacrifice. Something I didn't share in, in that breaking open yesterday is uh, a really important tactic as far as letting the Mass not be about ourselves, but, or what I get out of the Mass, but what I give to the Mass. Because that's ultimately what we want to do in worship. We want to give to the Lord. We want to, as you think, like, how can I give to Jesus? He's perfect. Like, yeah, but he still wants us. So that's pretty cool. So how do I give to him? We don't necessarily have it here, but I imagine at many of your parishes, there's probably a, a presentation of the gifts. During that time of the presentation of the gifts, when you're trying to wrangle the child or check on the stuff on the phone or you're distracted by the things going on out there, I encourage you to actually look at the altar and the people presenting the gifts for two reasons. Not to judge them or critique them or to think, wow, why are they wearing that? Don't do that. (laughs) But to think, they are presenting me because I'm a gift. Say, I'm a gift. I'm a gift. Yes, you are. You're a gift. And in the Mass, the hosts become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They are the gift we present. And so when we come forward and the gifts are placed on the altar, you can actually now think about this. What are the things I need to sacrifice on the altar with myself being one as a gift? And here's the really cool part, if you haven't thought about this. Every Mass that's celebrated, you may know this part, there's a Mass intention. That's the priest's responsibility. But did you know that you can have a Mass intention? That your Mass can be intended for someone, including yourself? It's not selfish to do that. But to say, Lord, today I give my attention, my focus, my, my preparedness, everything, my gift to you for the intention of fill in the blank. 
my spouse, who we got into a, a, a trifle with beforehand, my children, who I want to strangle right now, uh, my coworkers, who just don't understand how to do that thing, the person who cut me off in traffic, my enemies, the people who don't know Jesus. Masks can be offered for anything, and guys, there are, what, 250, 300 guys here? That's 250, 300 intentions in one mass. That, that just keeps expounding. So it's not just, all right, it's all on this one person, but every single one of us as gift, looking to the positive, looking to all the goodness in the world, can now bring Jesus out of ourselves, who actually wants to enter back into us. I shared also yesterday, So I've been a priest for five years. I've been uh, as a pastor for the last nine months at my new parish, Catholic for 13 years, and then a redheaded pagan for 22. (laughs) And I think about that from time to time, and in particular, it hit me really hard during Holy Week, and specifically in Holy Week on Holy Thursday, where we celebrate the institution of the priesthood, and the Eucharist. And I was going through my phone, looking at just pictures of more or less the last five years, and just seeing the countless lives I've had the opportunity and blessed to be a part of. There's quite a few pictures from here. You probably saw the picture of me covered in paint from the paintball course. That was a foolish act of love, (laughs) but worth it. But then I started looking further back, pictures in college, and thinking about the scriptures today, reflecting on it now, the Lord was calling me then, before I knew him, for something I never anticipated. And I was looking back even further, and I saw a picture of me and my dad. So my dad, he passed away when I was 16 years old, and the last picture I have of him is in the hospital. And he had tons tons of medical complications, but He's there in the hospital bed with this, just the biggest grin ever. And, and there I am uh, with this smile on my face and thinking about, here's this man who never lived out his faith, never uh, did anything with it, still tried to teach me right, wrong, morals, all that. And yet, I think about him daily when I celebrate the Mass. Because... His fatherhoodness gave me my sonship, which allowed me to become a father for hundreds, if not thousands, of sons and daughters. And here's the real honest confession. I, found, I knew this was, was going on a long time ago, so I emailed Ben. I was like, Ben, I really want to come. I want to help out. I, I put it in my calendar. I was like, ready to rock and roll. And then I got a text a couple weeks ago, hey, you want to give a talk? Of course I want to give a talk. That'd be great. What am I talking on? Doesn't matter. I'll do it. And then Friday comes. I'm thinking, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I am tired. I've had a long week. I, they don't need me. They probably have like 15 other priests there. No big deal. They'll be fine. I don't want to go. It's not worth it. 
And I've never really had that thought before because I love coming to Damascus. It's Catholic Disney World for me. <laughs> like, what's the happiest place on earth? Damascus, Sinnenberg, Ohio. I know, it's weird, but it's true. And I got here, and I'm talking to Ben, I'm talking to some of the other missionaries, and again, I'm starting to get that, that joy, that, that freshness again. And I realized, so who are the other priests? No one. Oh. So they're stuck with me. Excellent. But had I made a, a selfish decision, had I made a decision to satisfy my own wants, my own desires, or even to enter into my own fear, I don't know if they would have found a priest. I'm sure they would have. They have lots of priests. They're great about that. But, but it wouldn't have been what this is right now. And so I say that because for each of you, no one can replace you. No one can replace you in your family. No one can replace you in, in your community, in your parish. And you might think, well, I have a bunch of guys here from my parish. That's great, but they're not you. And it's so essential to look up and to say, Lord, what is it you're doing? So just like, what are you calling me to? When I look back at that young 16-year-old Jay, I had no idea this was going to happen. When I look at that kid in college, I had no idea this was going to happen. When I look at this, this, this guy, you know, even throughout seminary, I had no idea this moment was going to happen. And so we have no idea what the Lord wants to do or can do with us if we give him the permission to do it if we are unleashed from all of the bonds that tell us you're not worthy, you're not seen, you're not known, you're not heard. Brothers, once again, these are lies that must be smashed by the Lord. Just stomped on, just crushed. Which is why it's so helpful that Mary stomps on the head of the snake. Amen? Amen. Right? So like, have her a part of your life. That's essential. And that brings me to one of my final two points. You're thinking, where is he going to get done? Don't worry about it. We're not on a time limit here. We're worshiping. It's great. They're not going to like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Ladies, please stand up. I know they don't like it. I don't care. So, don't sit down. <laughs> Get it over with. No. Um, so, for some of you, those are, those are your daughters. There's some, some dads out here. Or your sisters. Ultimately, they're our sisters in Christ. And they are someone's daughter. Uh, ultimately, we're all sons and daughters to God the Father. When I reference Mary, it's because there have been so much behind the scenes going on. I was with one of the groups yesterday as they were doing intercession before prayer ministry last night, and their enthusiasm, their joy, their excitement for you was just ridiculous. And it's something that is unique to the feminine figure. So that gratitude you just expressed to them, which is fully worthy, and they are worthy of that gratitude. 
you need to express to your wives and your daughters and your sisters when you go home. Because there's so much behind the scenes that they are doing that we'll never know about. Now you may sit. Thank you. (laughs) Gentlemen, the world needs men focused on Jesus. Men who are willing to look up and go into the breach and to be unleashed and, and just choose not to live by the standards of the world, but the standards of Scripture and the standards of God. I have one final question. Um, who enjoyed prayer ministry last night? That's awesome. Now, would you like to do that more often? Do you think you're capable of doing that more often? Okay. Uh, do you think you're capable of doing that more often? Yes. Yeah, you are. And so we're going to do a little activation. Um, they're a partner. There's four of them. I need a dude. I'm going to take this guy. Come here. Come, come. Come, come. Come, come. Give him a round of applause. What's your name? Mike. Hi, Mike. I'm Father Jay. I'm Father Jay. Okay. So I want you to turn to a guy by you. If you're like, I don't have a guy by me, find a guy. Okay. Just find him. Got him. Good. Introduce yourself. We are induced. It's good. And really simple. Really simple. We're going to do like 10 seconds and 10 seconds. This is not complicated. This is not difficult. This is not hard. This is something all of us are capable of. Just follow the model of me. So whatever. Ready? Here we go. Sorry, I put a hand on your shoulder. Sweet. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Mike. I thank you for the yes that he's, he's given to you in being here this weekend. And Lord, I ask that you send him out with a heart full of courage and strength to be the man you've designed him to be. Amen. So, real quick, we're going to take 10, 15 seconds, each guy. And you're going to just thank the Lord for the dude next to you. And you're going to ask him for some strength to go back home. Go. Uh, how good do you feel right now? Right? And... Men, when we own our role, when we own our role, we, we do powerful stuff. So don't, don't let anything try to stop you from being powerful. You're dangerous. It's good because I need you to be dangerous. You're known. You're seen and you're heard. I said this at the first mass. I, I love you. I thank you. I'm proud of you. I really am. I don't know many of you, but that doesn't matter because I, I know what you're about. And I know who you're about. We got to keep our eyes up. We got to look for the positive. We got to stay focused on the good of what the Lord is doing in our lives. And when those negative points try to come in, we reject that. We turn to Mary, we turn to the Lord, and we just ask them to smash the evil lies. We give praise and glory to the women of our lives for all the, the hidden things that they do. And we build up men around us because without other men, what are we going to sharpen ourselves from? So when we, when we leave here, you, you've got to be different. And if you're still looking for that Emmaus and you're still looking for that change, like it's going to happen. We have to have hope in that. Just like we recognize that we are gift that's presented in every Mass, just like we have an intention for everything that we do, and just like our worship is not for the the glorification of anyone else or my own self, but for God Him alone. 
that we lift the Lord up because He is worthy of praise because of what He is doing with us right now. My brothers, I thank you for your yeses. I thank you for your vulnerabilities. I thank you for even the weakness to acknowledge I need help and the boldness to ask for it. Life's not going to be magically different after this Mass. I wish it was. But we're going to go back and we're going to do something amazing because God is already doing it right now and has been. He's been doing it since you were a little kid. He's been doing it since before you were even born. The final, final thought, I promise, is this. The Father delights in you and wants you to be the delight of the Father in others. What I mean by that is, as men, we're all going to be fathers in some way, spiritually, biologically, whatever. And so the Father's delight in us is a call to be the Father's delight for others, that we get to be God's love. That's so cool. That's such a gift. So my brothers, let us now stand and with great joy and great zeal profess the faith we believe.